Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. It's uh, me, Matt. Pat's not here. He's fucking dead to me. But uh, we have Adam. Adam's one of our clients at Sales Sniper and uh, successful business owner and entrepreneur. So I thought we'd get him on, you know, and we'll have a chat. Why not? Yeah, why not? Ex-Special Forces Sniper turned entrepreneur. I've scaled numerous businesses to eight figures. My name is Matt Ryder. This is my podcast, and I'm telling you to put that coffee down down so how you doing good mate good you yeah not too bad just got back from the states did the challenge sold some people made some money came back i have no doubt yeah back to back to uh the more mundane things how's everything go over in cyberland uh cyberland's going well um as you know you know we've um we've been going from strength to strength but uh you know the landscape and cyber has been a pretty frantic one over the, I'd probably say, the past 12 to six months. Um, yeah, the awareness within Australia has just gone gangbusters, basically, yeah. which has helped us. Okay. And explain to the people what you do. Because you're not a coaching consulting company. No. You're a real company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Um, so we are a purely a cybersecurity training and education company. Um, <clears throat> online training, we focus on not only getting our students the right skills, but also focusing a huge focus on getting them uh, placement as well. So my okay. background, I've been in education. I'm a teacher, qualified a qualified teacher for um, about seven or eight years ago. I uh, went into the registered training organisation space. Okay. So I've been in, been in training and education. Were you there during that. like the rogue days of VET and all that kind of stuff? 2016? Yeah, yeah. When they were Wild giving West. away iPads at... Yes. Uh, at Centrelink's? On the record, I was not giving away iPads, but I was I was uh, in the industry then. You didn't yeah. want to make money then. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. So that was Walk us through that, actually. Yeah. Those of you who don't know, so like VET funding was a government um, <clears throat> organized funding uh, scheme mm. for uh, registered training organizations, which is like uh, government-sponsored coaching programs, essentially. But for they, yep. Yeah. So like a lot of it was like cert for and crane operations. Mm. Uh, like all that kind of stuff. And, and the funding was, it was in my, from my, my sister was an auditor in the RTO space. So I haven't known a little about it. Yeah. And she was basically telling me that like this company would get the contract and they would contract to a contract to a contract. And it would be like 10 contractors deep. Yeah. And then it would just be a bunch of like rogue boiler room sales guys just offering up iPads to everybody at Centrelink. Yeah. To like go, hey, if you do this course, you'll never have to pay it back. Have an iPad. Centrelink and uh, th- this was the ultimate flaw in the in the idea. The, the scheme and the idea on paper, minus a couple of major flaws, was good. Yeah, right? just and didn't to, to take into account people's greed. Exactly. Or, and, and a couple of other things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I was working in the RTO space uh, in, a sales, in a sales team uh, and it was building construction. So CERT for Diploma of, of BNC. Yeah. Um, this new thing came along called yeah, Vet Fee Help. Essentially, the government would you know, loan you the money like a hex, yep. interest-free, um, which was great. And so a lot of companies, the company that I was working for, would um, optimise that, their RTO uh, and their operations for, for – fu- <laughs> you're laughing at me here yep. – for future growth. And so they put a lot of money into it. A lot of other, you know, um, whether you call it smarter or dodgier companies decided this is a great opportunity. Let's, let's just go Let straight it rip. Let it rip, boys. <laughs> and just hire as many salespeople as possible and incentivize the hell out of them. So twenty thirty thousand dollars courses, um, but the the major flaw was the consumer or the student didn't have to pay back the government fees until they hit fifty two thousand dollars of income from that industry, right? From that industry, like 
And so what you could do and what could some companies... imagine? Work, and you're getting like, you know, two and a half, three thousand dollars $3,000 commission per sale. Yeah, yeah. And so these guys are going out doing 10 a day and they're just knocking down doors of retirement villages. They go, hey, do a, do a certificate for in um, you know, leadership and management to 85-year-old grandmother. And she'd go, why the hell would I want to do that? And she goes, oh, you know, you're probably right. We'll give you a free iPad. I don't know how to use an iPad. We'll give it to your kid for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd sign and as soon as, as, soon as they'd sign... Uh, the government would release the funds to the training organisation. Uh, they'd never do the course, never course complete. Took them maybe six months or four or six months to cotton on to what was happening and hundreds of millions of dollars later, they just decided, you know what, we're just going to pull the funding and all RTOs basically went from, you know, doing very well uh, to nothing. Yeah, my sister was an, uh, <clears throat> was like the CEO uh, and then she quit and then became like the head auditor for a rather large I think it was called Ashley mm-hmm. I can say the name I don't give a fuck I'm sure they're not listening mm. it was Ashley um, and there was a certain component of that business which um, I think was was doing yeah. some of that and she ended up going like whoa, whoa, whoa yeah. and then like kind of dipping out and going like I can't be a part of this yeah. it, it might have been I, yeah, I can't remember but um, it was very interesting to hear kind of the stories and when I was like oh man what a rogue operation and so uh, the company I was working for you know, we went from 140 staff nationally down to 20. And I was in the Canberra head office, which is where I grew up. Everyone's getting made redundant around me. I wanted to wanted a redundancy to move to Sydney and everyone's getting the tap on the shoulder. Um, and then it got down to two or three people within this huge office space that we were working in in Canberra. And the director or the owner of the company tapped, my shoulder, tapped me on the shoulder, come into the boardroom. I'm thinking, yes, perfect. Um and he sits me down and he says, we, we actually think you, you're the right person to turn this around. We can just sell cybersecurity. Uh, sorry. We can just sell, um, what was it, asbestos awareness training. And I said, no, mate, I'm, I'm out of this. Like, yeah. this nice. cowboy show, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I left that, um, left that company and that was the first time I actually tried to start a business. I started a digital marketing agency uh, for the few remaining RTOs that were left. Okay. I figured, you know what, they've never, was, there's huge companies and there were some, some still that stayed afloat, but they never used digital marketing to sell mm. courses because you could just, it was easy to sell a free course. Yeah. Now there was no free <coughs> courses. So um, did that for two years, basically did everything wrong, but it, we got a couple of decent clients, um, but it fizzled out massively. Yeah, okay. And I kind of learned what not to do in business. I still didn't know, I didn't have any sales training because didn't need it in the RTO space at all. Just so. get on iPads, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> no. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my entry into trying to run and start a business. Yeah. I, don't th- I think that it's actually similar to the way that they're running shit these days. I mean, like, if you have a look at, like, the coaching and consulting industry, like, I mean, there's everybody gets approved funding, mm. right? Which we don't use in any offer. I sort of refuse to. Mm. There's sub- subprime lending. Mm. Like, so it, to me, it's like, it's not dissimilar to where they're going like, hey, learn this skill. And you see all these people on fucking Instagram going like, learn how to make 10K a month from your living room or yeah. whatever it is they're, they're spurking. It's like, they're giving them no real tangible skills. They're doing an everybody gets approved subprime lending model. Like at some point, mm. I mean, like something's got to go. <laughs> something's got to get. Like Kevin David just got done by the FTC. Yeah. Um, they fifty three million dollars he had to pay back. 
he was like, I don't have $53 million. So they were like, okay, you got to pay back what you do have, which is $2 million. And they said, if we ever find any hidden money, you got to pay back the whole lot. Mm-hmm. So like, um, and there's another person, which I am not allowed to talk about, but I had some fairly serious government organizations call me about, right, uh, in the U.S., uh, and they're going down. Like, so people in that space are going to be going to jail soon. Shit. Right? In the same way that some of these guys at vet funding and some of those dudes went to jail. Like, I mean, some of the shit they were doing was fucking oh, raucous. I don't know whether they did in Australia. Yeah? I think they got away with it because technically they weren't doing anything illegal. They just found a loophole in a system that was flawed. <laughs> so, uh, you know... They brought it back out, didn't they? What's his didn't they uh, revamp it and then bring it back out? Yeah, after, I think just recently, a couple of years ago. Um, Wolf of Wall Street guy. Um, yeah, uh, Jordan Belfort. I think a Queensland company hired him when it was all kicking off 2016 or 2015. And he... Um, might have done quite well out of it too. Yeah, <laughs> I know a few guys who paid him. Fair. I know a few guys who paid him over half a mil just to come out, mm. just to come out and say hello. Mm. Basically, I'm not too aware of what's going on in the the business and consulting space in Australia. Um, but then from that RTO space, and then you know, running a failed business, I um, I actually dipped the toe in some consulting and coaching space. Uh, or I guess trying to educate myself as a as a business owner here in Australia. Ended up then working for a business and consulting, you know, business coaching company basically here in Australia. Yep. Um, and that was the first introduction to actually... Oh, yeah, okay. another one. Yeah, and I'm like, this is actually a skill. Do you know what I mean? Running business, marketing, sales, and yeah, yeah. there is a process to it. So that that was kind of, I guess, cutting my teeth there in an apprenticeship for, for a couple of years. Yeah, sweet. How did you come to meet us? Uh, ironically, I think it was potentially the podcast. Yeah, right. Or YouTube. I remember watching... This is two and a half, three years ago. Yeah, okay. Um, I had... They say never meet your heroes. <laughs> Here you are, what's it like? <laughs> I'm, a pro- I'm, a, I'm a product of um, <laughs> what I'm trying to replicate now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I'd, I'd finished up um, at the company I was working with um, and thought I knew a fair bit about how to run a business or a sales process and then just started following as much as, you know, getting as much information as I could around okay. sales, came across you and came across Sales Sniper um, implemented some of the stuff within my sales process. I started the business. It was just myself. Got some. Got a couple of other people involved. It's a cyber revolution. Cyber revolution. Yep. yep. Uh, so then started the business, created a sales process, and tweaked it with some of the stuff that you would recommend. Yep. Um, and then COVID hit. I guess the original idea was to have a traditional business where you would hire, you'd you know, build a process, get it to a point where you'd hire another sales guy who would hire another sales guy, and you'd build your own sales team just the way that I thought it was done. Uh, then COVID hit and you obviously couldn't, you know, hire people or have an office and that traditional style, you know, for me anyway, went out the window. And so uh, just kept listening to the, the podcast, realised that you did a done for you uh, process. And I actually reached out and I spoke to James and he goes, it's probably a little bit too early. Um, you know, you need to get it to a little bit more, you know, within re- within revenue and then have a chat to us. And I thought it was ready. I thought it was perfect for what you guys, the skill set that you had. Where were you at then? I think we were at about maybe 20 or 30 a month revenue. Yeah. Um, and so a month passed. I'm like, no, nah, this will work. Um, I'll reach back out to Matt directly. Like he'll, he'll probably say yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, James, I thought was a little bit more conservative and it was great and he was probably right. It might have been a bit early. And in looking back... 
it might have been because it did take, you know, it took a few months for us to get it to where uh, it was working really, really well, but spoke with you. Uh, yep, and you're like, yep, you know, looks like it could work and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost money on it for a few months too. I knew you'd sell me. I knew you'd, yeah. I knew you'd be like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we lost money on it because we, 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 like we were speaking to Anthony, like we saw the potential, but we kind of over-infrastructured it. Mm. Like to the point where, because we were paying like all the setters and all that kind of stuff. And we yeah. were like, well, all right, we'll just, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> I remember I had a chat. I was on, I was on holiday or, um, it might've been. We were losing like maybe six to eight K a month. Yeah. It right right might've been right before Christmas, um, 2021. Um, I was, on hol- I was on holiday and Marco and Anthony had a meeting and it, yeah, it was, wasn't. Yeah, it was. I again, I I was I knew it had massive potential. Not a great yeah. fit, but it just wasn't really getting all that much traction. And Marco said, "Look, we're losing money. We're going to give ourselves another six weeks to turn this around. Yeah, this is what we need from you." Um, and so rolled up the sleeves and got it done. Yeah, and now it's doing quite well. Yeah, <laughs> it's doing it's doing pretty well. I think it's, it's doing it's like fifteen times what it was when we started. Seventeen, yeah, it's seventeen, like seventeen hundred percent growth. It's not bad. In 14 months. That would be, like, you, you would definitely be fastest growing company in Australia. No idea. I mean, we, like, we got on the list. And it's nothing like that. I, I don't even know, I didn't even know there was a list. Yeah, AFR. You should definitely put it in for it because it makes the CEOs look good. Yeah, okay. Like, it's, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it helps It helps the company, it gets more press. Yeah. You'll probably get ordered to that if you do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's right. like, it's, it's not yeah. accredited training space. I don't mind if someone can, you know, order Yeah, yeah. Me. It's just like, that's, if I was an auditor, that's the list I go <laughs> yeah, for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fastest sure. You guys are fucking something up. 1700%. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, but like, legit, especially if like, if that continues, I mean, like, not that it will continue at that pace, but mm. like, that goes up, you know, like, that'll be miles ahead. Mm. Of any other country. I think we had like, we were in like the top, I think we were 21st in the country. Yeah. And we had like 450%. Oh, wow. And like the number one was like maybe six or 700%. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I, you know, um, what it would do for the business is a big part of us, we go up against the universities. I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder about traditional education and the unis. Um, and the whole point, uh, you know, of starting Cyber Revolution was <laughs> to not just focus on the skills and the certificate get them a job at the end of it, a, a genuine focus on getting them a job, which is what we do really well. Um, uh, but one issue that we always do struggle with a little bit is credibility. Okay. You know? um, and so I guess that would help. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the education system is a fucking rot. Mm. Like, I don't see any point in going to uni unless you want to be a doctor, yep. a lawyer. Yep. Like, what else? Yeah. Like, what else do you actually need university experience for? Mm. Like, an MBA... I could not think of a more garbage, a more garbage thing to have. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. uh, like I'm sure it's great, but like, uh, like I just, I'm sure like you learn vernacular, you know, and mm-hmm. people with MBAs, you can probably have really interesting conversations about a business you'll never run. Yep. Um, but I just like, same as like a marketing degree. What yeah. a waste of time. Yeah. Everything you've learned is totally and completely irrelevant by the time you graduate. Yep. And like, the the things that you learn in like an MBA are, are not like it's the sort of same same as like high school like high school doesn't teach you how to have a life like you don't learn how to do your taxes you don't learn exactly you know like how to go to the grocery store yep. or do all the kind of things that you learn but like I understand like the point for me of education at least like with my kids right is I don't as long as long as they they learn a work ethic and they learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. 
that's all I give a shit about. Mm-hmm. If they walk out with great grades, fantastic. If they walk out with mediocre grades, I don't care. Yep. Um, I'll tell them to put effort into things they enjoy and that they're going to do moving forward. And if they come to me saying they want to go to university, I'll be like, sweet, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. If they say I don't want to go, I'll be like, sweet, yeah. do, do what you want. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, because like I, like, I didn't go to, uni- I went to university for a year and I dropped out because I hated it and I joined the army. I'm like way more <laughs> than oh, anyone I know with a university degree. Yeah. I, mean, I, I went to uni and I think university was good for me because I wanted to go to uni. I um, yep. and I, had, you know, I wanted to become a teacher, so you have to uh, yeah. do an education degree. But um, do you feel like you have to to become a teacher? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, I mean, do do you feel like you like if you could? Do you feel like you could just design a, on the job training? Oh, the only useful part of my four year degree was the um, on the, the job the the prac yeah the eight week prac unpaid that you, that you have to do yeah right. Um, that's where you learn all of the skills and that's where you, yeah, you implement everything. And we see it the same in cybersecurity when we have a, someone come to us and they've done a master's in cybersecurity, four years, 50 grand, 60 grand. They'll come to us and be like, okay, great. What roles do you want to look at applying for? Um, and or what roles have you applied for? Because they've usually tried to get into the industry first. And they're like, oh, it's just anything. I don't know. Like you've got no idea what what specific role you're eligible for and what you want to apply for after you've spent all that money and all that time. Like, no, not really. So, what tangible skill would they come out with from an education degree that they could actually apply? Going to Westpac and going like, I can provide this for you. Um, look, so they'll, they'll it, it's just if for cybersecurity, the basic skills, right? Um, in regards to hardware, software, networking, um, you know the coding and programming side of things because university goes deeper into that. Although, again, that's redundant because you don't actually do that in an entry-level cybersecurity role. Yeah. Um, and then some analytics as well. Yeah. Basically. So um, it is, you know, it is useful, but that's only half of it. Like getting the piece of paper is only 50% of the way getting you know, getting towards a job. Yeah. And the way that cybersecurity industry is working at the moment, it is strength in numbers and we need more people desperately. So if you're thinking about it and you go and do a three-year degree – or four-year degree, you're not actually applying for roles for you know get, to get into the industry, then you'll probably miss that wave. Um, and so that, for, for me, if I talk about my experience at university, I went there for four years, enjoyed myself. It was the right time for me. To, I wanted to go to uni, so that was great. Um, but I was a physical education teacher, um, was told, yep, great industry, you'll get a job, finished my four years, and uh, was then told that there's you know zero... PE teaching roles in Australia, basically. You think about a PE teacher, they finish, they sit there for 15, there's only a certain amount of schools. They just retire. But they just, yeah, they get comfy and they just sit there for 10, 15 years. Someone gets pregnant, there's an opening and there's thousands of people in front of you. So for the, when I finished uni, the, the first 15 to 18 months, um, I was working, uh, glorified babysitter, doing history, maths, French, and just hopping from school to school. Yeah, and right. I was like, "This is bullshit. Like, I'm never going to get a job. I don't <laughs> want to be. A, I don't want to be a maths teacher." Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's where the whole like, all right, this this industry, this this education industry. There's is an for. overabundance of teachers. There's just massively. So all these people. There's like, an overabundance of a lot of things that you get a university degree for. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I've just never really understood. Like, I think educating yourself is really important, but I just think like. It should just be the pointy bit. Mm. I just like underlying foundations. I think are important for a lot of stuff. But like for example, like when I was in special ops, I became like a very particular type of medic. It's called a PAFA, right? 
So it's like an SASR patrol advanced first aider. And you learn like most of the life-saving surgeries, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like I could do them, I practiced them, I did them in real time, and a doctor, I would have done more than the 99% of surgeons will ever do. How long would that, did that take you to try nothing? Fucking eight-week course, yeah. right? Yeah. See what I mean? Or maybe it was 12 weeks, I can't really remember. But and then like at the end of it, like we went to University of WA and they'd have a bunch of sheeps, fucking stab the sheep. They go, fix it, mm. right? And you're like, fuck. So mm. you're kind of doing it, doing the thing in real time. Went over to seas, working with like uh, CAG and ODA. Went out, started shooting pigs, fixing up the pigs. You know what I mean? And then we go out and do it for real life. And like we were good at it. Like we could do it. Do we understand any of the underlying anatomy? Not really. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. we could do it and yeah. we could do it effectively. And I could do it better than most of those fucking doctors could do because they never got a chance to do it for real ever. Yep. You know, surgical airways, the whole box and dice. And so I was just like, man, like for a lot of this shit, like you just need the pointy bit. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like you'll go in and you'll learn the rest. Now, I'm not saying surge- a surgeon should be an eight-week course, obviously. But I'm just using that as kind of like an example of like even something as complex as that. Yep. We learned that shit in 12 weeks yep. and we were fucking good at it. We were yep. good enough to save people's lives, like which is the whole goal of it. It's a yep. life-saving surgery, yep. right? So like we fucked them up a bit. Uh, like fully, like those people who got surgical airways are never going to talk the same way ever again. Yep. It wasn't quite as nuanced, right? But they're alive, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like it's just, you know, that's why, that is one of the good things about the whole coaching consulting industry is they kind of do shortcut some of that. I just think that most of the people teaching it are full of shit. Yep. You know? Like I see all these companies and they have fucking all these C-suite positions and they got a bunch of chickens with their head running around. Going like, oh, like yeah, yeah. that, pretending to run a business. Well, it's just, you know, you've just got to have the experience doing it. You learn so much more in, we're all about just getting someone the opportunity. Once you're in that role, yeah, you'll learn so much more in the first six to 12 months. I even say it to our students. I go, yeah, all we want to do is get you into the industry. And I don't want to downplay the skills that we give our students, but you'll learn 10 times as much in the first three months working for these companies than you would with us in yeah. the six months you've trained with us. Which makes sense. Yeah. So you're the you're the CEO, yep. Right. Where where do you see? Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself running this company? Let's say it gets to hundred million bucks a year. Do you think you'll be the guy running it? Um, I haven't really thought of it. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I um, yeah. I can't see myself wanting to step away from the Australian, you know, the Australian entity. Um, I I really enjoy the educational side. As I said, it's a passion of mine. Um, cybersecurity is not my passion, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But um, education and education that provides outcomes is. And so at the moment, yeah, I think I can't see myself leaving. You're going to branch out from cyber? Potentially. Uh, yeah, there's so many other options, right? Like this whole AI thing that's coming out, chat GPT or whatever that it one? is. Yeah, Open yeah. AI, that yeah. little business. Or does someone teach you how to hack? Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's options there to, um, you know, branch out into AR, AI, um, but at the moment, we're just strapping on and, uh, yeah, you know, enjoying the ride with cyber. Yeah, I have a, I have a different view about, like, uh, my role, like, as CEO. I reckon as soon as it earns $100 million, I, I don't reckon I'm the guy. Mm. I, I think it'll be too big for me. Yeah. I think, like, uh, I'll have to – I think I can get it – I think I can comfortably get it to 100 right? Mm. Like, we have that within reach. We have the plan. It's not like a bullshit coaching consulting. It's like, no, 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 we have a series of subsidiaries and no business has to get so enormous that it becomes unmanageable. But I don't feel like I have the capabilities at the moment to run a business that big. No. I think that there would just be like, 
what I would do is I would like go and steal someone from like GoDaddy. Yeah. Or something like that, right? Yeah. I use GoDaddy because he's like that guy who was the CEO of that was like a rock star. They got bought by BlackRock, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And then they use that guy mm. to every single new acquisition they do. So I reckon what I'll do is I'll get it to like $100 million and then I'll go and find someone to replace me as CEO and then I'll sit on the board because I think like what I'm good at is probably getting a business to like 10 to $20 million a year mm. and then fucking bouncing out. Mm. So I think what I'll do is like create myself a little team of people who mm. want to grow businesses mm. and then we'll go and buy them, grow them, and then pass it off to the head headquarters. Yep. Buy them, grow them, pass them off to headquarters, mm. and I'll just sit on the board. Yeah. Because like being the CEO of a, especially like, it was funny, like, you know, our client, Ryan Serhant, the yep. real estate guy? Yep. I was talking to him in, in New York, maybe like in November. I was at his office and I was like, you ever going to go public? He's like, it's a good question. And he, and he said, uh, I don't think so. He goes, I might change my mind. But he said, like, he's never met a happy CEO of a public company. Yes. The that. scrutiny involved would be horrendous. Yeah. And I just, I don't see that being a fun job. That's a, that's a good point. Right? Like I, I said, I enjoy what I do at the moment with the business. Um, yeah, if yeah. We would, and it's impossible for it to be the case. But if um, we're operating the same way at that revenue, then of course, yeah, sweet. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. you're right. Like if it the goes, complexity. if you go public and yeah, you've got to write all of that, get all of that scrutiny, write all of those, you know, reports. Um, again, that's not my skill set and where I want to, what I want to yeah, be yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, um, So that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I was. I remember just having a chat with like all of our hierarchy, and you know, like career development chats, and they were like, "So I want to be this and see level this," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, do you want like the." the conversation where I try and convince you to stay here forever or do you want, like, the real answer? Like, the real answer. I was like, if you want to be a C-level executive here, you'll probably have to leave. And they were like, huh? And I was like, yeah. I was like, let's say, like, I had a chat with um, our finance, our, our VP of finance today. She's phenomenal. Like, one of our best friends, great at what she does. She was like, what's the role to CFO? And I was like, the role to CFO is probably leave. Like VP of finance, then what you would do is you would try and put together enough of a CV here mm. and learn enough over the next few years to then go and be the controller of a much larger company. Yeah. Then from there, you learn how they operate. You learn a whole bunch of shit. Like you go to a billion dollar company and be one of their controllers or one of their departments. Then you come back here as like CFO. And that would like, that's a really like good. That's why like everyone hops, right? Mm. I think this like insular internal promotion thing. You ever heard a thing called the, I think it's called the Peter principle. No. So um, Peter principle, I, I think it's called that. It could be called something else, but it's a thing in business where you uh, internally promote to a state of incompetence. Mm. Right. So let's just say like, let's say you're a rock star sales guy and you're like, fuck, you're killing it, bro. Let's make you sales manager. First of all, terrible idea. But anyway, um, then they're like, man, you're a really good sales manager. Let's make you uh, VP of sales. You're a pretty good VP of sales, right? Then we make you like chief of sales and you're like an average chief of sales. And then we go, you're going to be the chief revenue officer and you're a fucking horrific chief revenue officer, right? Yeah. Because like it's just a law of war of attrition. Exactly. Then they've got you know? no experience. They have no idea. Yeah. About and if to, you only internally promote, then everyone has the same decision-making process yep. and it's just the business never changes. Yeah. So, like, you have to bring people in. People have to leave. They can come back. Mm. Like, I was telling Tori, I was like, I was like, I don't want this to happen, but I was like, if I look at you as a friend and I go, like, I go, you probably cap out right now at this level, mm -hmm. 
But if you left for two years on like a sabbatical, and we obviously were very good friends, we yep. stay in touch, and yep. we know it's for a purpose, and you have like for two years, I'm going to go do this, and you come back, like mm. that's a really good way to like for that for the company to then like experience and get a whole new skill set and yep. a whole new way of doing things. It's tough. Uh, I find it tough to know when to make those big hires. Mm. I've never, obviously, I've never. This is the you know, the second business I've run and the first business that, that is at this stage, and we've got a team that's growing now. It's like okay, I've, I've, we've just hired a, a business manager, um, but at what role do you look at really building out that that org chart where you've got a head of all six departments? Well, I think I think people do it wrong, and I, I know I did it wrong. I built it like a reverse pyramid where I had like a really heavy hierarchy in C-suite yeah. and then it got thinner as you went down, yep. which is not the way a business should run, but yeah. it's how most people build their business. They'll get the big hitters in and they'll try. What you should do, I think, is just hire shitloads of doers. So what, what, I've recently, what I've recently done is I've done like pay banding. So it's like these designators. Uh, so we have co- uh, coordinator, manager, uh, VP, and C-suite. Mm. Now, I could add in director in there as well, which would be below VP. That's a very traditional hierarchy. C-suite, VP, director, manager, coordinator. Yep. So, But I was like, oh, we don't have that many people. So I was like, so I'm going to make it into a pyramid. So there's only three C staff in the whole thing, right? Mm. Right. And then from there, it's like I have a shitload of doers. So like it just right now we're only hiring doers. Yep. That's it. Coordinator roles. Yep. And coordinator roles have a specific pay band. Managers have a specific pay band, and it's like a pay band. Let's say it's from eight to ten thousand or whatever a month, mm-hmm. and it's like less than three years experience is eight. Yep. Three to five is nine. Yep. And five plus is ten. Mm-hmm. So there's no fucking wiggle room. Mm. Like it's like that's your pay band. Yep. Like and then when you cross over that threshold, your pay goes up. Yeah. Right now there's bonus structures and stuff like that, but then from there, um, so what I'm doing at the moment is like we're having a look at each department making sure that like we have more doers than we do managers yeah so it should be like five two one yep yep that's a good department finance vp of finance like two managers five doers mm-hmm. we're fucking gucci yeah you just do that in each department make yep. it into a pyramid and then the whole thing's a pyramid yep because you know what i mean and what's um what is the goal 100 mil no like i don't um <laughs> I think we can do that in 2025. What year is it? Yes, 2025. I think we can do that. So, like, as a group, I'll, I'll use U.S. dollars because I just I work in U.S. dollars. We did, like, uh, like 30 million yep. in 2022. I think we'll do 40. I think we'll do 38, roughly. Yep. Um, 38 to 40 in 2023. Um, I want to do 65. 2024 then there's a reason for that jump and it's the way that we're running the business this year is like super lean mm-hmm. to store cash so i can go yep. like yep. that right because yep. in order to grow you need money but i'm really against fundraising yeah like because it's just seems especially like a, if you, especially if you're making money yeah it's a ponzi scheme yeah it feels like yep. it just feels like a gross way of everyone and then you got people on your board and it's like fuck you yeah and i just i want to avoid like not that I want to avoid oversight, yeah, but I just like it's my business. It's your business. You I'll do what I want. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> like, where I'm at. Let me do what I want. Yeah, like, fuck you. That'd if I want to pay myself out ninety percent of the profit, I'll do it. Yep, I can do what the fuck I want. Yep, exactly. I gave myself a massive payout in the last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fucking shoom, boom, yeah. like that. Yeah. So um, we're just like hoarding cash this year. Yep. Um, so that we can 
have a massive 2020, uh, big drop in 2024. Yep. And that should set us up for 2025. Yep. Right? Yep. But, like, we're going to go into branding and all kinds of stuff. So, yep. like, we're going to have to, like, hire external creative directors. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is going to be, like, they're going to be expensive. Yeah. They're going to have to have, like, a two, three million dollar runway to get the brand sorted to yep. where it can, like, move in. And then I just want to fucking bounce out and just go and open up random businesses. Like, I'd love to open up some tanning salons. Tanning salon. Phenomenal business. Bro. Really? Yeah, I've done the numbers. I've got the business plan. It's hell of a business if you do it right. Yeah, okay. Right? Uh, barbershops are another really good one. Yep. We can do brick and mortar. I wouldn't mind figuring yeah. out a way to do gyms profitably. Because that's your background, isn't it? Yeah. I'd love to, like, now do it with my acumen and money. Mm-hmm. And be like, how do you, like, and just fucking sink everyone. Mm. I reckon I could do it. Mm. Because that's what you've got, especially in that in that business type, that business model in the bar. You've got to go to market and just. Um, yeah, I want to have like 80 businesses. Do as much as possible. And yeah. then have it as a big fucking group. Yeah. And then just sell that bitch for like $5 billion. Yeah. 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 That's sort of the goal. So in the sales space in the US, you guys are uh, taking over Cardone? Uh, I would say like not on like a gross revenue standpoint because Cardone Capital... I would say in a sales training, I'd say we'd probably do more. Yeah. In like pure sales training. Yep. Not in all this other stuff. I think all up they do 75 million a year. Yeah, okay. Like that. But like, you know, their sales training, I think their sales training is like a lost leader, if I'm perfectly honest. Like, yeah. I feel like their sales training, like their guys are on all of our challenges. You can see them all. Are they? Yeah, they're, on, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're on our lives, yeah. challenges, because like they're obviously keeping tabs. Because like we, I th- like I would, str- I would, I would think we're the biggest b2c sales trainer out there mm. i don't know of anyone bigger like zoom hit us up really i was like hey can you come train our team yeah and we're like yeah i guess so that's now you more so in the the b2b spaces we're definitely not yeah but we would like to be like we get hit up like randomly by big companies yeah but we don't have like a really solid go-to-market strategy yeah it's also like a really it's just a difficult space to navigate mm. so like i think what we'll do is we'll probably cap our B2C coaching at pretty much what it is now. Like we closed inner circle for the next two months. Mm. It's just full. Mm. Like oh, I can't fulfill all those people. Yeah. Um, Good issue. Good so we sent out an email. It was like, no more. And people were like, Rah! I'll pay extra. Yeah. And our sales guys were like, is this real? Or are we like pretending? I was yeah. like, no dude, like it's real. Anyone, is it anyone you sell a refund? We, um, I never thought I would do this, but in November last year when we went on a run, um, a, yeah. like, this month's been a bit wild. Yeah, but like we'll have a record month this this month. But it really, thankfully, we got some free marketing from Optus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I owe some Russians some money. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but then late late last year, like the business, the be- the way that, that Cyber Evolution runs is we can help as a lot of people each month. It's a very yeah. scalable model. Um, and Anthony always joked like, "Oh, we'll, we're going to break the business." Yeah, and it came close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> quite <laughs> close. Some like long days in November, but we're all good now. We've enabled it and got a lot more support staff in. Yeah, uh, and I think you're right. Like it's cyclical. You want to be able to, you know, make a lot of money, drive growth, to be able to reinvest into the business. And I think we're we're at that stage now to be yeah. able to go. Okay, let's enable ourselves for the next stage of growth that's coming. Yeah. What like sort of financial methodology do you use, if any? In what regard? Like I use profit first. Yeah. Right? You know that model? That, yeah, yeah. That's a book, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, like, yeah. essentially, like, what we do is, like, um, is, like, I lay out. So, when I do my budgeting, I lay out, like, what my gross revenue, gross profit, 
uh, and then net profit will be, yep. and then like sort of net operating profit, and then yep. net net profit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and then I have like percentages, and so I'm like, all right, cool. I know how much. So let's say from a million dollars that comes in, like we use profit first. So profit first means that you put away your profit first. Yep. So before you do tax, before you do opex, everything. So you're focused on profit, like net net profit after corporate taxes. Yeah, 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 because I have a tax account. Yep. So I have a, a revenue account. Yep. I have a tax I have a revenue account, a profit account, an operating expense account, mm. a tax account, and then I also have a bonus account. Yep. So the way that my bonuses work is they're yearly bonuses because anything other than a yearly bonus is stupid because like you could have a if you do quarterly bonuses, for example, what if you have a phenomenal Q one, Q two and a horrendous Q three, Q four? You've spent all the money. Mm. You've given it out. Yep. So we do yearly bonuses. So I accrue that in my books every month, and then we put that aside. Mm-hmm. But it's not a real expense, right? It's a it's an accrued expense yep. on potentiality of us hitting it. If it doesn't get hit, it'll just go back into profit, yep. right? So from there, like, we work out, like, let's say you put away 18% of your gross revenue for tax. You could probably get away with, like, 12, mm. realistically, you know what I mean? Uh, or even 10 mm. um, of just gross revenue. So from a million dollars, I think we put away 15%. Yep. Um, so I put, cause I, I, I tend to oversave tax. So I'll, good way of doing it. yeah, so I'll do like, okay, I want to hit a 22% margin, let's say, or a 30% net net margin. Mm-hmm. So I'll put that exact figure into profit account every single month. Yep. Like that's a non-negotiable that goes in there. Then from there we do operating expense and then we do tax mm-hmm. and then we do bonus. Yep. Right. Yep. So like they're all just, it's a set distribution of like, of exactly what's there. Mm-hmm. And it just goes in every single month. And then, like, I get the report from the guys, like, yes, we had to move from tax to OPEX or whatever like that, but we're going to bring it back in because mm-hmm. of just how the months work out or whatever yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yep. The one thing they can't do is they can't touch profit. Yep. Okay. Like, that's a non-negotiable. That is, that is like, the legit profit of the business. Yeah. And so, like, I will decide if that has to get reinvested or distributed or whatever like that. Yep. Um, but it's a really good model. And then it sort of tells you how healthy your business is because like it says, like, let's say you're doing 20 million. It's like, you shouldn't have more than 60% OPEX or 50% OPEX. Right. So it's like, and that's based on, you know, the hundreds of thousands of businesses, which they surveyed Mm -hmm. at all different models and all different industries. It's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, if you're doing this revenue and you have a higher OPEX than this, you have a problem. Yep. You know? So, and that was good for sort of me to, to figure out. And like when I had bad accountants, I have good accounts now. When I had bad accounts, that profit first saved me. And is this all self-driven or self-taught? Did you go through? I read course? the book. Just read the book and that's it? Yeah. One I'm of the business coaches at the moment. This is the, the kind of stage of the business we're at and my growth as a you know CEO and understanding not just marketing sales and how to deliver a good service. Yeah. I'm doing some of the other, going through those other pillars of a business at the moment. So like a really good accountant is key. I had a terrible accountant, terrible. The books were set up poorly. The things that I would have is like, I would have a really good bookkeeper. Um, and then they'd want to be separate to your accountant. Yep. I think like, I think a lot of people, they, they get their accountant and their bookkeeper from the same place. Mm. This is a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's how to get embezzled from one-on-one. Mm. That's how like seen it happen many times. Mm. Also like you want to have like a, I have a, I have a bookkeeper. Val? I have a, uh, yeah, Val's. I speak to Val a lot. Yeah, Val's one of them. Yeah, yeah. So she's my internal. Yep. She's an employee. Yep. Then I have an external BAS agent. And then I have an external accountant. Mm-hmm. So all of them hold each other accountable. Mm. Right? So like there's no fuckery happening unless they work to conspire against me. Val's yeah. my auntie. Yeah. So I seriously I doubt it. That. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so um, like that's really important because like I used to have a bookkeeper and she was terrible. Um, 
and like just got snowed under just fuck man like the amount of damage she did in the books was like crazy yeah and it's hard to see yeah then from there i got an accountant who cleaned up a lot of that but then like again we outgrew them right mm. and so they just started like shortcutting things because we were just throwing so much <laughs> we were growing so quickly they just couldn't keep up and mm. they ended up fucking up a lot of stuff mm. right like misallocating 700 grand worth of t- anyway it doesn't matter but then we got really good accounts and they that cost a lot because we what we had to do is go back to like day one redo all the books completely redo the chart of accounts right so like in, in zero or accounting software it's like what is what is income what is expense? What is cost of goods sold? What yep. is operating? Redo all that, yep. right? Um, to where like it was really good, and then from there, uh, resubmit all of our taxes, make sure we're up to date on everything, mm. uh, and then start to get management reports from our accountant. So yep. like now our accountant provides us at the end of every month. Our books are closed off by like the tenth, or we aim to. I think we're aiming to get down to like the fifth or sixth, but probably won't happen because yeah. there's so much back and forth with clients, right? Yeah. So we try and get them closed up by like the 10th. That way I can look at it on the 10th, and the 11th, yeah. and I can go, this is what we did, Yeah. right? And I get a management report from the accountant, and it's like, what is our quick ratio, which is like cash to liability, yep. right? What is our, like, what is our P&L on a cash, P&L on accruals? Where's our balance sheet at? All that kind of stuff. One of the best courses I did was the Harvard Online Business School, like finance and accounting course. That was, yeah. really, that was really helpful Yeah, yeah. to be able to like, because you want to be able to like understand and speak to an accountant and have an idea. Yeah. Like debits on the left, credits on the right. Like yeah. you have an understanding of how their thought process works because you never take business advice from an accountant. You only take tax advice. Yeah. Right. Like our accountant was like, hey, you need to pay out cash. Right. Because you have a cash surplus, pay it out. I was like, nope. And they were like, do this, this, this. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm. And they were like, "Oh, why?" But this and I was like, "Because I know what's coming mm. here, here, and here, and that's I need I need cash for that." Yep. Whereas, like from a tax standpoint, at the end of financial year, it would have been good to do a cash burn. And I silly Lily, I mistakenly allowed some of a cash burn, but then that put us in a shitty position later on in the year, mm. where I was like, "Fuck, I should have gone my gut and done zero cash burn, and I would have left but it in." And, you, yeah, know. you didn't know, as you said, it's like I did open. know. I just listened to people, yeah. like. Don't take business advice from financial people. Take financial advice. Yeah, but now you know. You know, you made you've made that mistake. It's like you said yeah. the analogy of cutting open, you know, cutting open the pigs at the start when you were talking about that. Yeah, you got to get into it. You got to get into it and do it. Yeah, and you got to realize like business as well will go through like money peaks and money troughs. Yep. And like there will be a time in every business of where it's losing money. Mm. Like there was a time at Sniper we were losing about ninety seven thousand a month. Mm. Really? Right? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So we were losing... Because you were over-leveraged yeah. staff. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like our OPEX got up to 700. Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah, it got real fucking real there for a bit. <laughs> so, um, like, I sort of came in, sort of re-redid a bunch of stuff and, and got it under control. But, like, it was like that 97 grand a month to lose for three... It's like, it's not that much money when mm. you actually think about it, right? Yeah. Like, so it's like, had I have had, like, had I known now, like over the last 12 months, I've come a long way in terms of a business owner. So like, I wouldn't have reacted in the way that I reacted now. Like, and now I realize like, oh, all businesses go through cash cycles. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, there's every, and so for seventh level, like I'm prepared for when that happens because there will be a time, it'd be tough at seventh level because that business is so fucking lean, but like something you know, our ad accounts could all get shut down mm. for two months, right? Mm. And then all mm. of a sudden, we've still got this nut we have to pay yep. 
Like we have recurring, but the recurring would cover our stuff. That's about it. Yep. Right. We're the same. I think. Yeah. Mm. So like, like it wouldn't cover my salary. Mm. It would cover everybody else's salaries. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'd be like, okay, cool. So there's going to be, I have to have enough of a kitty there to where you don't have so much of a kitty that you leave all the, all the money in the business. Yeah. Which is the other mistake that I made, which is like for years, I just reinvested. Yeah. Instead of taking money out. Yeah. And you make way better decisions with a ton of money in your bank account. Yeah. Now that I've got over seven figures in cash, like my decision making is so much better yep. because I'm like, well, fuck it. These businesses can make zero money for two years and I'm fine. You can figure it out. Like I'll be fine. My yeah. kids are going to school. They won't even know what's happening. Yeah. Like my wife just won't be allowed to buy handbags. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's literally about it. If, if I didn't make any money for a couple of years, I'd be like, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that's only come from like having like, okay, now I start take money, take yep. money, take money. And so, um, yeah, it's just an interesting, interesting journey that you kind of have to go through. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I've had the, those that stress and that anxiety for the first, you know, twelve to eighteen months because I quit my job middle of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it was going okay. Uh, and then even when we, you know, we brought you guys on as well, it was going okay. And you're still, you know, you, you are stressed. And you get some sleepless nights here. You always think it's going to collapse. Don't always. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I still think it's going to collapse. Yeah, same. It's probably like, not though. <laughs> like their Facebook could crash or this yeah. could happen. And you just come up with all of these scenarios. Um, but I think as you know, you, you get some calluses and you get numb to it all. Yeah, yeah. And also you get some runs on the board and some experience, then you just, you know, it's part of being a business owner. Yeah. What's it like handing, what was it like handing over your sales and marketing? Because we do your sales and your marketing. Yes. So like, because I've never had to do that. Yeah. So I was thinking about this actually um, on the way in. I'm like, okay, because I knew we were going to you know, talk about how we work with you guys and who it would be good, who, who it would be good for and who it won't be. I think, you know, a lot of businesses, it would be a great addition for, but um, only certain business owners. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, you have to let us do our thing. Yeah. And so yeah. I've always been good at, um, you know, uh, I come from a sales background. I was very, very confident in the, the sales ability of yourself and the team and Anthony. Like, a, Anthony's fucking amazing. He's a yeah, phenom. So I had, I had the confidence there um, and to just go, you know what? These guys know what they're doing. It's my decision to bring them on and I am just going to let them do their thing and they're going to allow me to, you know, yeah. do other things within the business. I think there'll be some, uh, there would be some business owners that they're the bottleneck, they're the handbrake that just wouldn't allow um, some people to make major business decisions. They've got to be involved in everything. But for me, um, yeah, I'm comfortable doing it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think like there are relationships that work best with us is people who are like, yeah, man, you guys do your thing. Yeah, like because when like some of the businesses we work with, it's like every it's like fuck because. Like sales is so quick. Sales and marketing is so dynamic. Yeah. It's like, so you got to be able to go like, I see this, I make this, I see this, I make this. Yeah. So like every day we look at all the numbers and we go, okay, to make it better, we turn this lever and that lever. Yep. And if we can't turn the levers. Yeah. Like then it's like, well, that's not the problem in four days time. Yeah. So let's, let's, we need to tweak micro tweak every day. And we don't always have the time to tell everyone all the tweaks that are being made, mm. you know? So it's like, yeah, you yeah. know, like at one point in your account, we triple booked every call. I know. Yeah, well, I, I found that out. Yeah. Obviously. I didn't know that at the time, right? <laughs> right. And then we figured out how to double book them. And then we figured out we stagger booked them. Yep. And then we single booked them because it took us a while to figure out how to get the people to show up. So, so. My, my, my biggest um, focus was not how you made the sales in regards to the numbers. Like, uh, you know, all it was was the results focused, but... Um, 
how the students were being sold, what their expectations coming into the program. Yep. So I listened to a lot of sales calls, um, a lot of sales calls with Anthony, reviewed some, and I was very, very comfortable with how the offer was being sold. Yeah, That, for me, was the main thing. The tactics of how you get to X amount of sales per month, whether you triple book, double book, um, triage, straight to sales call, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? As long as the student comes in with an expectation and they're sold ethically, that's all I cared about. And so there are some things that Anthony, I say no, I'm like, it's still my, my business, my decision. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. go, he let me know. It's not like he's, you know, we've just upped the ad spend 50 grand and not told you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we've got, hey man, we're on a heater. I recommend. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'll go, know. yep. And there'll be sometimes we don't agree. I'm like, yeah, Anthony, you need to pump the brakes because there is another side to this business um, yeah, other yeah. than marketing and sales. Yeah. Um, How dare you? And he'll, he'll be like, no, I can see his eye twitching a little bit. Yeah. Um, so they, they, we've got a great dynamic. I can say yes, I can say no. I've got the ultimate yeah, yeah. say at the end of the day. Um, but I think the business owners that you know do well in this type of model are the ones that can just go, I've got a, got a good thing here. I'm just going to let them do their yeah. thing and, and deploy. Like some guys dictate whether or not we do a triage or not. And I'm like... See, that defeats the whole purpose of... Yeah, and I go, guys, like it's not like I'm committing to doing a triage forever. It's just right now. Like ideally everyone goes straight to sales call. Ideally we don't have to fucking talk to them mm. and we figure out how to sell this over webinars, <laughs> yeah. right? Like legit. Yeah. Like if I yeah. can figure that out, I'll figure that out. Yeah. Right? As long as I get my comms on, give a fuck. Exactly. I'll do the webinar, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's just like, just right now with the circumstances, I feel like it's the best move. And I go, listen, this is your rock show. Mm. I'll play whatever chords you want. But like, that is highly not my recommendation. Yeah. They're like, no, do it. I was yeah. like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sweet, man, but just not. I don't think it's going to work. I hope it does, but I don't think it's like, sweet, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and get onto it. Yeah. You know? And that, like, and that would just cause, that'll then have a ripple effect in the way that you guys always operate, and it's just not yeah. going to work. It is, yeah, and I can it's go, as soon as stuff like that happens, I go, oh, we're going to quit in three months for sure. Yeah, exactly. Or they're going to crack the shit to this because it's not working. The funniest it. thing is when they do stuff, and we go, that won't work, and they go, do it, and we go, okay, and they go, why isn't it working? I said, well, I told you it wouldn't work. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. They go, you're shit. And I go, all right. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I'm like, you... yeah. Okay. I, I look at it the exact same dynamic. Like, we wrote out uh, an org chart recently, and I've got Anthony as in my org chart as the sales manager. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I look at it as like, I'll catch up with him. He gives me the reports. I'll go, yep, do that. Don't do that. And I, I treat him like he's a team member and a sales manager. Which is why it's a good relationship. Yeah. Because it's like, like I always try and tell people, like we're not an external agency. Like we're partners because we can only make money if you guys are making money. Like mm. that's the only way. Yeah. And you guys only make money if we're making money. So I was like, if we just treat this more like a partnership, yeah. Instead of like some sort of, a lot of businesses bring us on reluctantly because we're expensive. Mm. So like they're looking for ways to get rid of us always. Like that's a lot of the relationship. Yeah, they're they're, they're trying to find ways to figure out what we're doing, how we're doing it, so yep. they can bring someone in cheaper to do it. And it like it just never works out. Nah, I want to pay you guys a million bucks a month. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> 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 like, what well, means you're making a lot? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's great. And then I, I um uh and also I'm learning from Anthony. You guys are experts, and I thought I knew a bit about sales. Um, I knew a bit about how to craft a sales process and do sales. Like I up until recently, um, you know, uh, the monthly sales record I used to I held about four or five months ago, still to this day, oh, it's not still to this day, but about four months ago, it's since been broken by one of the team members. So I know how to sell the product, but that's always, nev we're never going to grow, you know, if, yeah. I just, if I'm in the sales seat the, the whole time. So um, Who broke it? 
I think Scott Orbach did first. Yeah, savagery. And then potentially, I think Jake Clapson's about to break it. He's oh. savage. He came out of nowhere. He came kid. from the treehouse and he's... Yeah. He's, he's a he did the process right. He yeah. Because really, he came on, we put him on, and we're like, we don't think you're ready. He's like, no, I think I am. And he shit the bed. Did he? And we immediately took him off. Yes, yeah. he told you. Yeah. And then brought him back on. Triage, hey man, just like listen, do some more development. Then we brought him back on and do close five deals in the first day. Yeah, he's he's killing it. Yeah. Um, but what I what I have learned is how much a sales process or a sales funnel can be optimized. Yeah, yeah. and a marketing funnel can be optimized. I knew I knew the basics, but as you said before, um, once we got the sales process done and the conversion rates were good, it was then about how do we um, speak to more people. You know, do we and do we increase the price of the product? Do we double book, Which we've done book, a fair bit, yeah. Which we've done and, had, you know, do we shorten the sales cycle this way? And so what I love is every time we catch up, it's not just, yeah, it's going well, nothing's changed. It's getting optimised every single yeah. week almost. The ma- the marketing and the sales. Yeah. Um, What's the only way to make money? So. Well, it's, I'm learning all of that stuff as well, yeah. which is which is great. It's fun. Then you start working in different environments and countries and, you know, you got to start to dial everything. And it's an interesting, like it's a never-ending learning process mm. you know and like we try and because we all we do have the advantage of being in the back of like 20 of those businesses mm. we sort of go well that's working over here if we take a component of that over here and we kind of adjust it and do that and let's try that yeah and we just have a lot of data so and we have good the good thing is as well we have good sales reps like they're all consistent so like yeah. if something happens and then everyone's close rates goes down well it's not the reps yeah we've done something that's ruined it. So mm. let's pull it all back and then we can try and rework it again because they're, those guys are consistent. Yeah. No, they're great. Awesome. All right. Well, that's enough. We're done. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for paying me all the money you do. <laughs> <laughs> back at you. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, if you like this kind of content, make sure you like, subscribe, and notification, but all that kind of good stuff. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Put that coffee down. Down. down.